0: With her presidential campaign ended, Kamala Harris returned to the Senate in December of 2019 and voted to impeach Donald Trump in February. But the Republican-controlled chamber acquitted the president as expected.
1: But we're not going to talk much about that, because bigger events were on the horizon.
0: In March of 2020, just after Joe Biden surged ahead of Bernie Sanders on Super Tuesday and took control of the Democratic primary race, the country shut down in response to the coronavirus pandemic. In May, protests erupted nationwide after a white Minneapolis police officer killed George Floyd, a black man, by kneeling on his neck for nearly nine minutes during an arrest. Floyd's death came in the wake of the fatal shooting of black jogger Ahmaud Arbery by white residents in a Georgia suburb, and the Louisville police killing of Breonna Taylor, a black woman, in her home. Though their deaths had happened in February and March, they were slower to gain national attention. Floyd's death in particular set off the wave of protests, which were built on the pain of all three killings. Kamala Harris became a leader of Democrats' efforts to draft police reform legislation. She also became a loud voice on the disproportionate effect the pandemic was having on Black and brown communities at the same time.
1: She said her law enforcement background uniquely positioned her to be a reformer. But to some who knew her when she referred to herself as the top cop in San Francisco... The change was startling. This is Gary Delanis, the former head of the San Francisco Police Union that endorsed Harris in her first race for district attorney. We've heard from him in earlier episodes. You know, she decided at some point to take a hard turn left. Um, obviously, in my opinion, trying to appeal to the far left of the Democratic Party. And, uh, and she's completely turned her back on law enforcement and basically thrown law enforcement under the bus, um, for political gain, I mean, that's my opinion. Speculation that Biden would name her as his running mate intensified, and so did the spotlight on the glaring lack of people of color in national politics. Kamala Harris was about to hit the campaign trail again.
2: Yes or no? Daughter of Oakland, California. Sir, I'm, I'm asking a question. I say we fight. And that little girl was me.
1: I'm Joe
0: Garofoli. And I'm Tall Copin. And this is Chronicled. Who is Kamala Harris? Episode 6, I'm Speaking. A particularly salient moment happened in June. On the day of Floyd's memorial service, the staffs of Kamala Harris and her friend and fellow Black Democratic Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey got word of a development on legislation they had written to make lynching a federal crime for the first time in American history. The bill had passed the Senate unanimously the previous year, But a slight change in the House meant the Senate had to pass it again. And this time, Kentucky Republican Rand Paul was objecting unless the Senate adopted his amendment to narrow the definition of lynching to only the most extreme acts of mutilation.
3: There was no understanding that that was going to be the day that this happened. Both she and I just found out an hour or so before that Rand Paul was trying to do this.
2: To suggest that lynching would only be a lynching if someone's heart was pulled out and produced and displayed to someone else is ridiculous. And on this day, the day of George Floyd's funeral, on this day, a day that should be a day of national mourning.
3: And I think both of us, when we got down there, I, I, I still remember what I said to her, which was a little off color, so I won't. All- say it on a podcast, but, but I just said it was the wrong day to mess with me, basically.
2: Our bill is an opportunity to right a wrong and an opportunity for a reckoning in federal law. And we cannot pretend that lynchings are a thing of the past.
3: It was really one of those just more raw, visceral fights uh, from both of us that you're tired of having to do in your life but here we are on the floor of the United States Senate uh, where there never was before a black woman and a black man standing together like that um, and having to fight a battle that should have been settled a century before.
2: So it is remarkable and it is painful to be standing here right now, especially when people of all races are marching in the streets of America outraged by the hate and the violence and the murder that has been fueled by racism during the span of this country's life.
0: The bill still has not passed into law. That day exemplified so much about Kamala Harris's career. The difficulty of passing even inoffensive legislation into law in today's Washington, especially as a junior member of the minority party. And the pain, pressure, and power of being the only one like you in the room. Maisie Hirono of Hawaii says it's something she's also felt as one of the only immigrants in the Senate, especially when you speak about your own experiences with injustice and still get pushback from a white colleague.
4: I think that was a particularly painful experience that Kamala had because we have had systemic racism in our country. So, yes, a lot of us bring very personal experiences to bear on our um, deliberations. And it is painful when others obviously uh, don't share that experience or try to correct you. My goodness, how dare they just want to say to them, just shut up.
1: Joe Biden had pledged to name a woman as his running mate, and now some were pressuring him to pick a woman of color. Some activists have been wanting that for a long time.
4: What is important about uh, there being a Black woman in particular, not just a woman of color, Mm -hmm. uh, is that You know, black voters are who essentially uh, made Joe Biden the presumptive nominee.
1: That's Alicia Garza, the co-creator of Black Lives Matter, on my It's All Political podcast this summer, back when Biden was deciding who to choose as his running mate. She pointed out that it was black voters who helped Biden win the South Carolina primary and turn around his campaign when it was floundering. Multiple names surfaced as trial balloons. Former U.N. Ambassador Susan Rice, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, Los Angeles Rep. Karen Bass, who worked with Harris on the Democrats' police reform bill. But all quickly fell back to earth. Ultimately, it came back to the speculation from the spring of 2019.
0: You ready to go to work? Oh my
2: God, I am so ready to go to work.
0: Kamala Harris was the last one standing. One of the key factors? Her long friendship with Beau Biden, Joe's son, who passed away from brain cancer in 2015. Boe was Delaware's attorney general at the same time that Kamala Harris was serving in California. In a recent fundraiser, Joe Biden said it was Bo who introduced him to Harris for the first time. Senator Catherine Cortez Masto was AG of Nevada at the same time.
4: As part of the AG world, Bo was so well-respected. He was open, he was friendly, he cared, uh, he was committed, and he just always had a positive attitude. And, and that's the Beau Biden we all got to know when, when we started working together. Um, I, I cherish the, the relationship that I had with Beau. I know Kamala does the same.
0: Senators Cortez Masto, Hirono, and Booker all say that their colleagues' ability to build relationships is one of her greatest attributes, one that Americans may not often be able to see.
4: When we first got here to the Senate, unbeknownst to both of us, the women of the Senate actually get together and have dinner. Uh, they try to do it once a month. And so that first month we got here, we got invited to a dinner put together by the women senators, bipartisan. And they invited former uh, female senators, women senators to come uh, to the dinner. And that is a tradition. And I think we both thought, wow, this is, this is fantastic. And um, I think watching her and that has informed me on Uh, a relationship building, watching her as she builds those relationships with our colleagues on both sides of the aisle.
0: Even Kamala Harris's Republican colleagues acknowledge her skills. In late 2018 and early 2019, when I was working on a story about her time in the Senate, I spoke to as many as I could about her record. Here's what they told me then in the hallways of the Capitol. James Langford of Oklahoma.
1: We're in Afghanistan. Uh, we're in a lot of pretty intense conversations with a lot of folks that are on the ground. And uh, she's a good listener, good question asker. Extremely personable. Uh, she's friendly to everybody.
0: Chuck Grassley of Iowa.
5: She's quite a fighter. And you saw that between me and her on uh,
0: the Kavanaugh hearings. And she's always treated me fairly. And I'd say even treating me fairly, considering how the meeting on Kavanaugh started out, But uh, uh, there's no long-lasting irritation on my part about that, because I knew they were
2: doing what they felt strongly
0: about. Lindsey Graham of South Carolina.
2: She's really smart. Uh, People like her. Some of the Kavanaugh stuff wasn't my cup of tea, but I think she's uh, very bright, um, has a good personality. Anybody who underestimates her
1: will do so at their own peril. Let's flash forward to just a few weeks ago. It's early October, and President Trump and Joe Biden have just had an unruly debate that Trump made unlistenable with his constant interruptions. Then Trump is diagnosed with the coronavirus, and any future debates are in doubt. We arrive at the date that political junkies had long circled on their calendar. October 7th, the only vice presidential debate. Kamala Harris's reputation precedes her, but so does that of Vice President Mike Pence a silver-tongued former radio host. Even Trump has marveled about his remarkable ability to evade questions. It's the prize fight of the election cycle for many, even if it's on the undercard. And it raises many of the same recurring themes for Kamala Harris, being questioned about what she truly stands for and making sure her voice is heard.
5: Senator Harris. People, Susan, are voting right now. They'd like to know if you and Joe Biden are going to pack the Supreme Court if you don't get your way in this nomination.
2: Let's talk about packing. You, you, once Come again, on. gave a
5: non-answer. Joe Biden gave a non-answer. <laughs> i to answer no. you
2: American now. The <laughs> American people deserve a straight answer.
5: And, and if you haven't figured it out yet, the straight answer is they are going to pack the Supreme Court if they somehow win this election. Yeah,
2: Thank let's you. talk about packing the court then. Let's talk about the fact. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to.
5: And I must tell you, this, this, this presumption that you hear consistently from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris that uh, that America is systemically racist and that, as Joe Biden said, that he believes that law enforcement has an implicit bias against minorities uh, is, is a great insult to the men and women who serve in law enforcement.
2: I will not sit here and be lectured by the vice president on what it means to enforce the laws of our country. I am the only one on this stage who was personally prosecuted? Everything from child sexual assault to homicide. And it all built up to Well let's go, so but no, but Susan, I, this is important. Susan, I, I, and I, I want to add but if Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I have to I'm weigh speaking. In.
0: It was the I'm speaking heard round the world. Once again, t shirts were made. The moment achieved a pop culture milestone. It was part of a Saturday night live cold open. And while he
2: speaks I'm going to smile at him like I'm in a TJ Maxx and a white lady asked me if I work here. <laughs> Kamala Harris's repeated use of I'm speaking. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I have to am speaking. Out. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Well, wait, wait. I'm speaking.
0: Well, before. I'd like you to answer
5: the question. No, Mr. Yes,
2: Vice sir. President, I'm please, speaking. Please. I'm please. speaking.
0: And a fly that sat on Mike Pence's head for two minutes, but we don't have audio of that. Those were the lasting memories of the VP debate, but mainly a black woman holding her own.
1: There's no doubt Kamala Harris is a key piece of Joe Biden's campaign, but her next step rests on his success or failure. The question she's faced throughout her career won't end on November 3rd, 2020. Remember Gary Delanus, the police union leader who met Harris more than 17 years ago when she was running for her first campaign? Here's how he put it. I was surprised at how left, hard left she went, and it did seem to hurt her in the presidential election, but she... She's uh, re- resurfaced, and who knows? Uh, she could be the next the president of the United States someday. Or,
0: at the moment, the next vice president. If that happens, Cory Booker might once again find himself the lone black Democratic senator.
3: I think this is what I will miss so much about her, uh, should she, God willing, um, be the next uh, vice president. She and I could just often with just a look— <laughs> feel each other, you know, I will really miss uh, having my friend there with me.
0: We will find out what happens in the election. If she and Joe Biden lose, Kamala Harris will be California Senator for at least another two years.
1: Either way, we may very well be writing more episodes for this podcast in a few years when Harris will likely be a favorite if she runs for president again.
0: And The Chronicle will be there to cover all of it. Thank you for joining us on Chronicle who is Kamala Harris. The producer of Chronicled is King Kaufman. Artwork and design by Tam Duong, Danielle Millette parks and Yoli Martinez. Thanks to Tim O'Rourke, Erica Carlos, and Karen Creighton. Chronicled is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. For full access, visit sfchronicle.com pod.